Hello everybody and welcome to the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is regular host Aaron Percival, aka Corporal Hicks, and joining me are regular partners in crime, Adam Zeller, aka Ridgetop, AJ Bischoff, aka Voodoo Magic, Eric Adams, aka Xenomorphine. And this is episode 137, and this is our last episode of the year. So this is December's episode, and barring any um, teaser trailer for schools or anything like that, this will be the last one of the year. Well, that'll probably be a motion track. Well, no, that could probably be a full podcast, given how long we oh, talked yes. about. The the Covenant one. Yeah. To, to be fair, a lot of stuff that we would have traditionally done podcasts on anyways has sort of been relegated to the motion trackers. But no, as an aside there, there was, somebody made a comment on one of the recent pod motion trackers we did. We talked about it for 40 a minutes. 40 minute a discussion image, about yeah. a single image. And I was like, damn, somebody never listened to our three hour podcast on a three minute trailer. Fucking hell. Yeah. To be fair, we discussed more than that image. We did. And it was, it was a discussion. If anyone's watching on YouTube, you'll notice you won't see Eric's pretty face. We're actually no. testing out a new AI. Eric's not with us. <laughs> I've always been AI. Nobody realized it. <laughs> yes, no camera today. So No camera day for Eric. So. I have to look at my forum avatar type thing instead. Are you still rocking that on the forum? I don't remember. I think I replaced it with something else. But yeah, I made this uh, my own personal. It's very nice. It's a nice brand. alien smiley well, I was I was saying earlier, I was having flashbacks to the, the days of recording these on Skype, where we mm, would we yes. just see all the avatars. But yes, it's a December episode. So, Adam, do you know what that means this year? You didn't last that year. That means AVP month, and we were actually planning on another episode this December, which would have been the AVP anthology book, but that was pushed back, that one being AVP Ultimate Prey. So that will be coming out in the spring now. We've got a date for it now, haven't we? I think it's March first maybe something like that but we decided we would go back and revisit a comic crossover event and that is the three world war it's more than just a comic crossover event it was a revival of well i just i just mean in terms of following the uh, the path that we took for the rest of the discussion because we've done avp we've done avp war we've done hunters pra- um, planet so the next logical course was the next one in the series three world war because this is the sequel to the original AVP comics and AVP War. Mm-hmm. Hunter's Planet was a novel that kind of was its own sequel, but not a comic adaptation. So this is a proper sequel to the first AVP and AVP War. There was a hiatus with the Dark Horse comics for a while in the early 2000s. I think it was a 10-year gap between, was Xenogenesis the last I one? I don't think it was quite 10 years. I think it was early. But yes, it, it's all about events. So the Xenogenesis event killed <laughs> Dark Horse's Alien and Predator and Alien vs. Predator comics in uh, early 2000s, I believe, which I shall look up. And then it was relaunched with the 2009 relaunch, basically. So yeah, they did. It was writer John R. Cudi did an Aliens run and a Predator run, which got retitled more than human and pray to the heavens which was to lead into three world war which was originally supposed to be written by the same john arcudi but ended up being done by the og randy stradley who wrote the original you know he, he wrote the first avp he wrote war and he came back to finish off 
uh, Michiko's story, which is which is what this comic book does. It finishes off her story. Um, he, he was originally offered series, but then he couldn't do it, and then John Arcudi was going to do it. And then for some reason, he dropped out, and Bradley um, Strandy, <laughs> Randy Stradley finished it off in the end. I've always found his name a bit of a tongue twister. With artwork by um, Rick Leonardi, who had done Alien vs. Green Lantern. Never read it because it's a crossover and you know how I feel about the crossovers. Although I am warming up to them, I must be honest. Having read the recent DC, I say recent, it was probably like five, six years ago, God. Collections that they put out, I've warmed up to some of those. I don't think I've read the Green Lantern one though. And he also did the line work for Predator, Rite of Passage and... I can't remember what that one's about. And Aliens uh, Once in a Lifetime, which was a sort of prequel series to my very favourite Apocalypse Destroying Angels. So he had some good uh, he had some good pedigree there, at least in terms of that one shot. And the artwork was done by Mr. Wes Diazoba. No, the colour work, sorry, was done by Wes Diazoba, who I know Adam and I are very fond of, especially his recolouring of Issue Zero and oh, yeah. Blood Time. He also worked on Hunters. Isn't that right, AJ? You may be doing a video about that one. Yeah, Hunters. Yes, and I think actually his, his last name is pronounced Gioba. You know, it's hmm. not, you actually don't pronounce the D and Z. Yeah, I forget the country of origin. But yeah, definitely. He does a good job with coloring. And how about those covers? Oh, yes. And of course, covers by Raymond Swanlin, who is quite possibly one of the best artists who's ever worked on Alien and Predator stuff. Jesus Christ. Dark Horse tapped him up for the covers for the Predator run. Uh, Pray to the Heavens, all four of those. He ended up doing two of the Alien run, and he did all of the covers for... The paperbacks were all his, right? Yes, that's right. More Than Human, Through World War, and then Pray to the Heavens. Mm Mm-hmm all his work and i think he did a piece for a book that an art book that never came out there's it's a piece of like a wall of aliens attacking like a single marine i'll have to send it to you all afterwards because that was another fantastic piece and that book never came out from what i remember but yeah god damn he is gorgeous work gorgeous work i love the one that has the the three species skull through the spike yeah Mm, i know there's been a lot of fan art that's like redone that piece too i think that's in the trade too at the end i think i think all of them end up being in it because i think the cover art is for the trade the cover art of the first issue and then we have another one in the inner jacket then another one on the other page of that so that's three and then no no it's just the one it's the the one that adam was talking about the iconic spike one so now two of two of his covers aren't in here which is a shame because dark horse would sometimes do galleries in the in the back of these things and it was always nice to see and dark horse has never been bad at getting fantastic cover artists and this was no different you got some singles too recently didn't you aj for this one no, I actually, um, you know, I have most of the AVP series singles, including, I think I was telling you guys uh, on a private chat, it was War and then uh, Deadliest of the Species. But this one, I never actually, I don't know, something was going on in my life and I just ended up picking up the trade. So I don't have the individual issues, but I've seen the individual issue covers and they're just glorious. To me, they're the best part of this comic series. 
I think the paperbacks may be harder to find now and they're not available digitally either, as far as I know, unless they've been re-offered by Marvel now, because I know Marvel might have the individual ones digitally now. I don't think it's going to be in Marvel's Omnibus 4 because this is considered all EVP, even though it's branded Aliens, Predator, and then AVP. I don't think Marvel has gone to Predator or AVP Omnibus yet, right? I mean, they we, we had the Predator Omnibus release dates and then that was canceled. Yeah. So I think it's just strictly aliens right now, an alien. So it's not in it's not in Omnibus Four, is it in Three? You're talking about the Dark Horse, the Marvel Omnibus. The the aliens run more than uh, more than human is in Volume Three. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, well, okay. But not the not the AVP one. No, because they they'll be in their AVP ones. I think it's more, even though the Alien and the Predator series ran into this, it is more distinctly Alien versus Predator. Yeah, I felt, I thought it would have been Volume 4, but I forget how many comics came after this. But this was an interesting relaunch because it did tie to those original comics, more so the original Aliens comics and the original AVP comics. It didn't really tie to the older Predator comics because this is all... Well, actually, no, the Predator comic is contemporary. The Aliens and the... Well, are near future, I guess. And the Aliens and the AVP one are in the future, in the Aliens universe future. Well, let's, let's read the synopsis first and then we'll crack on and, and do our mini review so a long lost predator clan stakes its claim for galactic dominance intent on exterminating its rival clan the self-same trophy hunters who have plagued earth's history and if the advanced technologies and military precision of the new threat weren't enough they have an even more terrifying weapon a horde of aliens under their malfic control earthmen must now side with the warriors who have relentlessly hunted them but is the enemy of my enemy my friend or just another enemy waiting for its turn to strike? So, who was going to go first on this one? Well, I, I had a bit more commentary first just on the release of this because I, f- I feel like this it represented an attempt to... You would still have Aliens proper and Predator proper, right? Where they would be their own brands, but they would still all tie together. And this was a effort at that sort of connected universe thing that's been... They've, they've dipped their feet in the water with before and in, in trying to do, but now it seems like these days it's keep everything completely separate. Keep Aliens separate, Predator separate, AVP is, is all separate now. But this felt like an attempt to kind of start that whole connected universe in the comics. And I like that. I feel like that that can be done and it can be done like the DCEU where you still have individual stories that are completely separate, but you also have an interconnected main universe. And I was kind of hoping to see that with Alien Predator and, and AVP. And I feel like these comics, I wonder how well they did because it seems like they kind of went off in different directions after this. You know, that you had the, the Fire and Stone and Life and Death, which was also a big crossover event, but it, it kind of got rid of this and that was really just Prometheus with aliens and predators. But after that series, I felt like there was a distinct kind of divergence again in in terms of the comics all being their own separate brands and not really interconnecting too much. But I did like that here. And I I enjoyed all three of these comics. I feel like the artwork for all of them was, was pretty good. I was a bit iffy about the artwork with AVP through World War at first, but I feel like the Predator Hunters series kind of got me to accept stylized art a bit more, you know, something that leans towards the cartoony, but is not too cartoony. So I I feel like I've warmed up to the artwork in Three World War. I still feel like the original AVP has the best artwork of, of the trilogy. But if I was to compare the artwork of War with this one, well, no, okay, War's was probably still better. But I feel like this artwork is worthy of the original AVP trilogy, even though this came far after those those first two. 
it was unique in that it took on the whole killer clan idea. And I wonder if they had known anything about Predators, the, the movie Predators at the time. And maybe that's why they wanted to bring in this separate clan of Predators and that whole concept. But I do like the real interconnected nature of all these three comics. Like that, I think, is one of the biggest appeals for me in terms of them all being their own thing, but they're all connected and they all lead to a single point. One of the things I didn't like is I feel like both the Aliens, more so the Aliens comic, felt too short. This is a problem I've had with some recent comics, too. It feels like they're just hooking me, and then it just kind of ends abruptly. The Predator comic, less so, but it still had that problem, and those are both uh, four issues. The EVP Three World War paperback is actually a collection of six issues. So that one, I felt, was a more appropriate length. It felt like a decent length story for this. But I feel like all three stories were interesting. All three stories had good characters, but all three stories, well, the two of the three stories were a bit too short for me in terms of ending abruptly. I mean, in this episode, we're talking more specifically this one. So in terms of this one, how did you... In terms of... Three World War. What, just Three World War? Yeah. Oh, I thought we were talking about the whole arc. No, just just Three World War. Oh, well, I did all that prep work with the other well, it, was, it was still good prep work. <laughs> I thought we were reviewing no, all no, three of No, them. just Three World War. Okay, well, yeah, Three World War, I I really like, you know, the art, the story. And for me, it's... I don't know. It's it's just a solid AVP comic. It's right up there with the other two. I feel like when I first read it, I was probably a bit more disappointed compared to the original and War. I felt like it wasn't the best conclusion to the trilogy, but it's grown on me okay. through the years, I think. AJ? So, AVP 3 World War. I mean, what a title, right, guys? I mean, you see that title on the uh, the comic trade paperback shelf, and it just screams an epic conflict, you know, an expectation of warfare on a gargantuan scale, three world war. But reading this six issue series, it felt less like war and more of a skirmish. Not what the title really promises to me. It reads less grand than I would have hoped. It's got a high floor, you know, lots of alien and predator action. You can't go wrong with that, I guess. But it's got a low ceiling to me, too. It doesn't feel ever laced with high stakes. And the action never elevates for me beyond boilerplate AVP. You know, that ordinary midpoint, never bad nor great. So to me, it's average. To me, mediocrity. That can be equally blamed on story, on the story, you know, by Randy Dradley and what he serviced us and the pencils of Rick uh, Leonardi that surrounded those word balloons. I mean, to me, the characters were thin. I cared little for anyone except Machiko. And that was thanks to previous EU entries and nothing contained in this book, to be honest. And I found little drama and suspense and... (sighs) There was not enough within the story that was presented here. Now, often the shortcomings in a script can be overcome by an artist that fleshes out the narrative, but the artist's work here conveyed caricature over character that lacked the necessary menace, the necessary madness, and a realistic horror that could have elevated this read to a pulse-pounding tale of dread. But instead, it just has a pulse, you know? So some say it's better to create something one loves or hates than something in between. And for me here, AVP 3 World War is in between. So I think it gets a 5.5 for me. Yeah, 5.5. Okay, before we get any further, 
because I'd forgotten, I'd literally just messaged Adam now for this. I'm going to go with the same sort of ranking system that GameSpot does. So a five would be what they consider mediocre, a six would be what they consider fair. So would that still be accurate towards how you feel about the game in between mediocre and fair, the comic? Let's go straight five on this new So middle of the road, completely average. Yeah. Eric? In a nutshell, I would essentially agree with what AJ has said there. I, my score pretty much puts it average. Now, having given my conclusion, I'm now going to the meat and potatoes of it. The change of artwork is an interesting gamble. I think Adam put it best when he said, you know, it's a stylized version rather than the earlier kind of artworks we were used to. Now, that has its strengths. It also has its weaknesses. Its strengths are that it is good for action set big action set pieces, which this has. You have like actual, you know, spaceships and that. You have these big action things. Unfortunately, when you're getting an alien or predator or terminator story, you really want something where you can see intricate detail because these things, aliens, predators, they are walking pieces of art in their own right. And you don't get that. It's serviceable. It's fine. But just to illustrate that point, Machiko comes back in this. She was one of the big things. Uh, as I remember, it was hyped. You know, this is the story where Machiko returns and Stradley is writing it. And I honestly didn't recognize her as Machiko. There's a character who says her name. And I went, what, is that the Machiko? And then I looked back and I went, oh, I guess it is. She kind of like looks like a street kid out of a cyberpunk story or so. She doesn't look like what I remember as Machiko. But that's to illustrate that this is a very stylized kind of artwork. It felt like the comics, which is ironic considering what happened, it felt like they had sort of like marveled up because it felt like the kind of artwork you would find in a superhero type story. The story itself, it feels weirdly like either that it was half intended to be set in World War Two, or it was heavily inspired by World War Two, which I got from like, the, like there was a big sort of like a Normandy beach landing type thing with spaceships, there's a lot of that kind of thing. There's um, a very weird sort of plot point where it hinges at several points where these other predators, where they're they're labelled as like sort of like these evil killer predators, these bad bloods, although I don't think they're ever called bad bloods, like they're only in it for the killing. But you never actually see them doing anything normal predators wouldn't do. And they've got this thing where they scramble communication. And you have these human characters. They decide, oh, I'm going to put this, we're going to change this guidance system on this warhead. This is 17th century technology. And it's showing them trying to innovate with this thing. But all they've done is basically make a basic anti-radar, like home on jamming type missile, which has been in use since Vietnam. There's nothing special about it. And I'm just reading it. And I was going, why doesn't the ship have them as standard? It, but it's because it's a comic. So stuff like that made me feel it's a very comic-like story. The original AVP comic, it felt like it was it had cinematic tone. This doesn't. This feels like a comic, which is why, as AJ said, these characters, they don't feel like real people. They feel like cardboard cutout stereotypes sometimes, especially with the military characters. I think they were trying to echo, for example, when Machiko talks to the military guys and she they approach her and she's debriefing them. They're trying to echo that scene on the Sulaco where Ripley is debriefing the Marines there. 
But the key difference there is that, you know, they've been told they're going to have these hope they might be facing the equivalent of basically monkeys with armor. You know, it's different. They, and they come across as really thick, like they've had no experience. They don't feel like a, a military character should do, but they, it's continued through the entire story. You get nobody has any real growth. So you get characters that don't feel like real people at all. They feel like comic characters. So it doesn't feel like one of those old comics where it was cinematic in tone. It feels like one of those G.I. Joe type comics where these are comic book characters. They're serviceable. And as I say, you have this crux of it where the predators don't like these other predators that they're calling killers because they're only in it for the kill. They're only in it for that. But because you only see them oh, they're killing these workers, but they're killing them because these workers were shooting these aliens with guns. They're a valid target for predators. There was nothing in there to show us as readers why are they different from other predators except they're controlling aliens. That was the big hype, again, for this story. Why are these aliens following the predators? What's different about them? They've got tusks. And it's unfortunately one of those stories where it turns out they're just ordinary aliens. They've just got a way of controlling them through technology that the aliens themselves are just standard aliens so you get to the end of this story and it does feel a bit like a damp squib there wasn't any anything in the way of these revelations which was being hinted at it was just machiko comes back in the story there's a big sort of attack the thing on the ground which is like starship troopers where you're thinking like when you watch starship troopers why don't they just do orbital bombardment it's just an excuse to get soldiers on the ground and do chaos it was just it felt like one big excuse to have these action scenes where they're not using the aliens and predators to their strengths there's just like generic explosion generic kill there's not anything where you have this sense of mythology about the Predators like they did in the original AVP story. You got that kind of sense. You got the characters like Machiko having these memories of them being like the samurai stories of old. And you got this sense of the aliens being this Lovecraftian title. But there's none of that. They just come across as generic supervillains. And that's the weakness of this story. There's nothing wrong with it. It feels like a perfectly serviceable comic but that's its failing there's nothing special there's nothing really stand out about it there's nothing good about it it's serviceable and it kind of stops there so it's not bad but it's one of those things where i wouldn't feel a need to go back to it there's nothing there where i'm i'm gonna talk to someone and i go oh do you remember that part where there's nothing there so it just feels like an average comic and it's a bit shame that it's not you know it's machiko's return she spends a good part of that story where she's on the bridge of the predator ship being a translator but all through those scenes i'm just thinking you don't need a translator predators can emulate the language they could send a computer signal to coordinate with the human ships but she's not really serving a purpose there she's not needing to be there the troops don't need to be on the planet it's just one big very transparent excuse for explosions and aliens being there with that said it got interesting to me at the end of issue four but it took all that while to get there and it felt like a lot of fat could have been trimmed that's my view over the whole thing it's it's got its strengths but they're few and far between it just feels very general see i would have been very surprised if there weren't at least one of us that didn't really like this because 
we, we didn't get Eric scored, did we? Or did we? Yeah, I, I, it's same as you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like a five. Okay. I didn't score it though, so I would probably, if we're see, this is tough because I I thought we were again judging the whole arc. If we're just going off three world war, but the thing the thing is, they the others do inform this, so. Yeah. It's like what you take from those, you carry to this. Same as what you take from AVP and what you take from war, you carry to this. So, you know, your your view is perfectly valid. probably give it a seven. And I think it might have been a six or a five before when I originally saw the comic. It has grown on me a bit. There's moments in this comic that I feel are truly unique in terms of, you know, I like the team ups, Aaron. And to see like the Marine and the Predator ships together, like the, the giant vessel and then the assault on the planet and all that like that was some really cool shit in my book so there were things i feel this comic did well but you guys make some valid points i mean the, there are a lot of characters here that it juggles and it brings in the characters from predator prey to the heavens and alien aliens more than human less so the predator one but it is dealing with a lot of characters here and i could see how some might feel that machika was kind of sidelined to this one i still thought it was cool her interacting with the elder on the bridge of the ship and eventually she goes down to the planet and is more engaged in the conflict personally. But yeah, I, I could see the setup of, I always thought war never lived up to the original AVP comic personally. And this doesn't either. It's hard for me to choose which one I like less, this or war, but I enjoy both of them. They're both inferior to the original AVP comic. So you're going with seven. I'm going with seven. So th this was one I always have weird memories of because as Adam said, you know, this was the first time Dark Horse had tried to bring back the comics after Xenogenesis, which was 99, 2000. So there was like, it was a nearly 10 years gap. And um, we'd had a couple of one shots, you know, what was the Dead, uh, Dead Space and Sand Trap. Well, you had some longer ones that were released as little paperbacks, and that was Civilized Beasts and Thrill of the Hunt. Civilized Beasts wasn't out until about the same time. This was Thrill of the Hunt was the only one. Thrill of the Hunt was the one around the movie. Yeah, yeah. so they, they were little digest-sized things. They weren't proper comics. So, you know, we then get this 2009 with this uh, with Three World War releasing at the start of 2010, attempt at a relaunch, and again after that, we'd, we'd only see little novellas. Uh, it wasn't until 2014 when we got Fire and Stone that the comics started again in any regularity and we, we entered what I'd like to think of as the second golden age of, of Alien and Predator comics. So when the first lots were coming out, it was it was my first time picking up the comics as singles, you know, so it had a little special place for me there. And I like Aliens, wasn't overly fond of the Predator one. I found it really lackluster, to be honest. And then in the lead up to this one, I always remember seeing the preview art of this series and that money shot panel of the Predator coming down the, the ramp holding onto the aliens where it looks like the reference material was a Kenner figure rather than tracing over a Necker figure in terms of the detail in, in Rick Leonardi's artwork. But then the comic just got super entertaining for me. It took a couple of issues, but I started to really warm up to Leonardi's art style. And now I very much appreciate it because I'm like, yeah, it don't really work too well when they stood around doing nothing. But when they're in the thick of it, when they're in the action, I think this artwork is 
so suitable. Like, there is just a flow and motion and franticness. And yes, there is a lack of detail, which sucks, again, when they stood around doing nothing, but in in a sort of fog of war, haze of war kind of thing to it. It feels as appropriate as Sam Keith's batshit crazy artwork eventually feels appropriate in, in human condition. It works for what the story's doing for me. And there's so many moments in this, so many pieces of, of artwork, so many panels of things where I'm just like, you know what, I fucking love this. The moments of the aliens coming out the water or the, the smokestacks coming out the sand, the marines rappelling down a, um, a cliff face. Adam mentioned like the, the panels with the, the colonial marine dropships and the predator dropships coming down. I'm like, this is fucking brilliant and I love the way it looks. It, it did. It took a warm-up because when I'm basing it off that really awful, shitty <laughs> Kenner-looking panel that is supposed to be this glorious reintroduction to Alien vs. Predator, and I'm like, ah, that's awful. Are you talking about the first bit where they walk down the ramp yep. with the... Uh... With the yeah. aliens, yeah, yep. and and it, I always thought it genuinely looked like he was sat there sketching a, a, a Kenner Predator. That that was the kind of detail that was on. Yeah, and the detail doesn't match with the other comics in the arc too. Like both Part of the Heavens and More Than Human were more detailed, more realistic mm-hmm. style than this. Yeah, but it works for me. I know I've always known I was very much on my own when it came to my fondness of this series because it is not one you see talked about very often. It is not a very beloved series, but it's just one. I I really, really enjoy. And and it is very plot-driven, story-driven, big action piece moments kind of thing. The only real character in the series is Machiko because in a lot of ways, this comic is Machiko going... I'm done, that's enough. And it's also Randy Stradley going, I'm done, that's enough. It felt like Commando, that thing where they, they approach Arnold's character and he's at the like the wood cabin. And they go, you've got to yeah. come back, you've got to come back. No, no, no. Don't me drag me back into this. And she got a happy yeah. ending too. But I, th- I think it ties it off really nicely. I know, because uh, uh, I was rereading the, the big thread on this and, yeah. and I know a lot of people had, I say a lot of people, I know some people had issues with like the end where the Predator burned off her mark. And I'm like, yeah, it's a cool visual, her having this mark. But in, term, in terms of theme and narrative and, and character, I'm like, I just make so much sense and it works so well for me. It is literally, yes, this is it. This is the end of my involvement with Alien and Predator in terms of yeah. in terms of Machiko and in terms of Randy Stradley. I think there's a lot going on in this, and I, I I I'm fully aware there are problems with it. You know, the Tusk thing isn't resolved, and to be fair, they they barely are even visible in this. You know, and that was supposed to be a big mystery in in this event. You know, why do the aliens have tusks? And it was supposed to be answered, and it was going to be a thing, and now nah, it's not in this at all. And it, it was the same thing in, in More Than Human as well. You have the test aliens, but it also shows the traditional aliens. Like you see both types in both comics and it never mm-hmm. explains the test aliens. It kind of touches on them a little bit in More Than Human about a, like a different phenotype yeah. or something, but well, it never it, explains. It was supposed to be a thing that was going to be led up into this. And I actually asked John Arcudi about it. I was like, what the fuck was going to happen with this? And he was like, I don't remember. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, thank you for that. That was, that was very enlightening. And then... You know, that that comic has its own sort of anticlimactic stuff as well. But that worked reasonably well for me because it was so Lovecraftian in the end of the, in the way of it being, fuck it, you don't get an explanation. Make your own shit up. Mm-hmm. 
I think what you said about Machikos, I, I, I do think that is worth touching on because to me, that was, it came across as sort of bittersweet and it was cleansing the character, which for a character who's been through those kind of experiences made a lot of sense. And it wasn't that she just ended her involvement. She had that sort of ironic thing that she did in the, the start of the second ever AVP story where it was the whole thing about she saved the Predators with the Queen, but she dishonoured them. It was a similar thing here where she had that survivor's guilt sort of thing where she chose to live, chose to go with the human so she could survive, but she didn't get the glory and honour which she'd learnt through that society. I, I think that worked on a lot of levels, as you say. Yeah, because in the original comic, you see her kind of... Sorry, uh, why don't you complete your summary, Aaron? And and it goes back to being more than just her going back for humanity. She went back for Ellis. This is more than just humanity. This is this is the personal connection that she never found before. Yeah, that's true. So I do think there's a lot more to the book, to the comic, than people tend to give it credit for. Um, in terms of that, I understand why people don't like the artwork. I just don't agree. And again, I knew I knew I was going to be an outlier here because I really, really enjoy this this series. I'd probably go an eight or a nine. Ooh, I really enjoy it. And All right, you got to pick though. And ever since this Mark series, yeah, <laughs> eight point five. Split the difference. I always have to split the difference now, don't I? Yeah, go 8.5. Go do fractions. Go 8.5, <laughs> which according so again, according to the reviews that we're going by, that is in between great and superb. Adam went for just good, and AJ and Eric have gone for mediocre. I didn't know you liked this one. Yeah, I don't say much. mediocre, but... Okay, we'll, we'll reword them a little bit, but yeah, in middle of the road. There's a key available now. I didn't see a review key. Sorry, I'll shall drop it in the private chat for now. I com I completely fucking blanked on actually posting this because. So yeah, that's another thing. Apologies for this year, listeners. We have not got out as much as we have done in the past, and probably not gone for as many cool interviews and stuff. I'm not saying we haven't had cool interviews oh, and stuff like that, but we hasn't been the same quantity of stuff. And I've I've had the worst year. <laughs> Of my life. I know a lot of people found 2020 shit, but 2021 has been absolutely terrible and my motivation has just not been there. We've always had at least once a month, though. Yeah, so I've managed to maintain that. And, and same to you guys, you know, the, this one was a fucking nightmare to schedule and I, I do apologise to everybody, you know, listeners and you guys for <sighs> my head this year, basically. So, Oh, it's okay. Life happens. But we got a lot planned next year. Next year's going to be a big year, I think. I think there's two, anniv two anniversaries next year, isn't it? Is it Alien 3's 30th, Alien Is Resurrections it? 25th? And then Predator's 35th. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So yeah. we have three Alien, wait, Alien, What about Alien? Yeah, Alien 3, right? It's 30th, I'm sure it is. Resurrections oh. 25th. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And a new Predator movie coming and the launch of yes. hopefully both Predator and AVP comics. We've had just another new novel announcement today. Five books next year. Five yeah. books. Hopefully we'll start to see some decent content from Fireteam as well. Fireteam Elite. So hopefully it's going to be a good year. We'll just... And Hunting Grounds. Hopefully they yeah. tie that right in with the movie. Yeah. So. But anyway. Hey, but we're not done this year. We're not yeah, done this year. Okay, we'll get back to this comic. We're just saying it's been less this year. We don't expect it to be less next year. We'll probably have more podcasts. It'll probably be back to the twice a month. At least that's what we're <laughs> we'll going to try for. We'll see. There may be a couple months where it's still one a month. Well, always quality over quantity. That's always a good fallback. Yeah. 
That's our excuse. Anyway. So for me, for AVP, Three World War, right? I think the artwork really could have elevated it for me. I'm really opposite of Aaron. You know, I wasn't really a fan of Rick Leonardi's artwork. Not that he certainly, uh, not that he's not a talented artist. You know, he certainly is. And the humans himself is probably where Rick does his best penciling. But sometimes an artist style has to match the story and the IP. And a good comic publisher knows how to match someone from, from column A with something from column B, you know, where the artist suits the work. And I just don't think Rick suits alien and predator creatures. You know, they should look menacing. But as I mentioned before, they look more like caricatures of aliens and predators, something I would find in comic strips or for you old school fans out there, uh, Mad Magazine, you know, but a parody, something satirical, you know, especially aliens, often in profile at a distance, these aliens had these elongated heads and skinny necks. And I swear they look like appetizers. They look like hot dogs on a stick. (laughs) (laughs) I'd get hungry just looking at them. And... um, (laughs) That's a quote right there. <laughs> and the uh, the predators, you know, they were human size. They were the same height of the colonial marine counterparts. And I get that they're humanoids, but too often they look like humans wearing biomasks. Unfortunately, with the scenes where I should have been horrified, actually brought me humor. You know, with the way this was done. I mean, when a predator targets a colonial marine and blows a hole through him, it never has the weight. It comes across as Looney Tunes cartoons for me, less than Saving Private Ryan. And it really needed to be Saving Private Ryan to be effective here with this kind of story. Yeah, impact. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, that's that's fair. I mean, there's no denying that the artwork on this one is the, for a lot of people, the big crux. The controversy. Yeah, because, I mean, it's like I said, you can't deny there's, and you were saying, Adam, earlier, you know, about it being cartoony. Or was it Eric? Somebody was saying about it being cartoony. Stylized. And it, it is. It is. It, it, it is not... See, it's not Den Bouvet, you know, it, it's not Tristan Jones. It's not Killian Plunkett, you know, Chris Warner. It is different. Who's the artist that's thicker than blood? Oh, Aaron, you know this. Uh, Doug Wheatley. Doug Wheatley. Yeah. Imagine him doing this. It's, it's not It's not Doug Wheatley. And yeah, I can't I can't fault you in that opinion at all, AJ. I, re- yeah. I really can't. I did not like the art the first time I read this. It was one of the things that brought down the comic you, most for you me. You called it dog awful or something like that. It, it was the kind of words you would use <laughs> when you're talking about his name's did we man. we didn't review this before once did we like when is this from was this just we were talking about it no I, I went back and read the thread i always try to go back and read the threads over you know the older stuff and you'd said something about it being awful and it was the kind of language you'd use for the guy doing alien at the minute whose name i've I've, I've forgot what's his name it don't matter the the, the, the awful salvador, salvador laroca you know it was the kind of language you'd use for what he's doing at the minute. Oh, well, I I do not feel the same as I did then. I'll have to go back and read that. But it's a fair point, even if you're just judging it against the other two comics in this arc. But there have been comics where the stylization goes too far. I feel like there's some comics where Hive and Harvest, most notable. Yeah, and In Human Condition, way too far. No, in, in Human Condition works when you hit the twist. Once you hit the twist, 
at the end and go back and reread it. See, that it was a comic I so gave well. up reading. No. It's one of the few comics in the series that I just gave up reading. I, I hate Sam Keith, and I was so not looking forward to reading that story. But when I did, I Hi, was Sam, like, if you're listening. Oh, he, he knows how alien fans feel about him. <laughs> but Female War as well. Like, that, that was, was awful. Example yeah, that was of, awful. Yeah. Yeah, and that was the third in a series too. This is the third in a series and the art was a letdown compared to the first two. And I definitely get that perspective that compared to the art, if you're used to the art of war, if you're used to the art of the original AVP comic. Well, even some of the other Alien, com- Alien yeah, Predator series. This is you a know. switch. It's a big switch. Yeah, but it's not just about the, like, as I say, some of like the dialogue here. The think the first page is some of the dialogue is very hokey. It made it feel like it, Let's these claim the jumpers minute, pick the wrong claim to jump. I mean, that's we'll, a, we'll get to the dialogue. But stick to the artwork for now. I feel like you're right, Aaron. I feel like it handles the bigger war scenes better. And when things are moving, there's yeah. one scene where they're just talking and you see the queen on the rock behind them and it just looks bad. So there's and, and like you said, that first shot of them walking down the ramp I always thought that looked silly. I still think it's one of the weaker shots. It's one of the first things we saw as well, and it was not a strong note to start on, you know, in terms of preview art. It's it's one of those ones where you kind of see a piece and you go, I wonder what the editors are feeling right now (laughs) about their decisions. We're kind of like, looks like a predator is taking its dogs for a walk. Because it's just sort of like yeah. calmly strolling mm-hmm. out. There's no yeah. sense of we're going to kill things. It's just this, here, boy, go for a tinkle by well, the pretty, lamppost. <laughs> pretty soon, guys, I hope to be moving. And if I do move, you're going to be seeing soon all the Eagle Moss Predators behind me. Ooh. But guess what? Eagle Moss Predator I did not purchase. That's that one <laughs> walking his dogs because it this looks <laughs> Yes. Yes. Let me get his dog, too, so he can walk it. There you go. <laughs> There he goes, right there. That kind of looks like it does in the comic. The pose is kind of similar it there. It does. Yeah. It really does. <laughs> they did a good job capturing it. I just yeah, don't want them yeah. to do a yeah. good job capturing it. Bloody well, Eagle okay, Moss. Aaron, don't be mad. I'm going to branch out a little bit here. Did Eric and AJ, you both read the other two comics in, in prepping for this, right? Or no? No. no. I wasn't able to find okay. them online. Because I would be curious. We'll talk about this later, AJ, then. But I would be curious about your thoughts of Predator, Pray to the Heavens. Because the art style is completely different. It's still kind of connected to the story, but takes place near future. So I, I would very much be curious as to your thoughts on that comic. I think you'd probably enjoy it more than this one. I'm sure I have it. I just haven't prepped for it. You know, when Aaron said Three World War, you know, I'm, I'm such a literal guy. I took Three World I don't War. Know, yeah, so. I don't know how I heard the arc, but that's what I thought we yeah. were doing. So... Like I said, this year's been a shit show. But um, <laughs> the Killer Clan is also featured in that story. What about they introduced them? Yeah, the style of their armor is different than it is here. I would say it's a bit more ornate here, a bit more samurai-esque here. With the helmets. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? You know what reminded me? I, I like the look, but it reminded me, I'm probably going to show my age, there was a toy Shred line it. called Micronauts that was before Shred. me. There was this villain named Baron Karza. That eventually from this toy line led to like Marvel Comics. And, you know, there there's a big controversy, you know, he's like a, the Black Knight and there's a big controversy of what came first, you know, Darth Vader or Baron Karza. Yeah. But with the I'm color, the, the red and the red and the black, and especially the armor itself, you know, the mask is a little different, but, it, you know, that's what it reminded me of, of Baron Karza. And I liked the look, you know, I thought the name Killers was a little <laughs> uninspired. Inspired, you know, the killer clan. It's a predator band name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did, did, did you guys get the killers over there? Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, um, the Killers were big here too. Yeah, they were. Oh, I the guess band's I the that. Killers yeah, coming out of my cage, and I've been doing just fine. Nah, I don't know the Killers. We'll send you some. But in these the chat. guys, you know, that was their actual clan name in this comic, and I'm like, okay, the Killers. In all fairness, let's also be clear, you know, Machiko was saying how inaccurate the sign language was, so for her to then learn that that was what they were referred to. That's fair. But yeah, it is an, it is an uninspired name, but there, there's some justification for it. Yeah, but, you know, I, if you went something like the Dishonorable, right, or something a play off of that, you know what I mean? <laughs> that, does that not remind you of a, li- a recent note that we made? Oh, I made something, Adam. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We can't get too into that. But we were recently debating predators killing civilians. And I know you had a problem with that in uh, Thicker Than No, I was I was meaning more in terms of the name. Oh. Yeah, where we had the big argument over, over Bad Bloods. And I was like, yeah, what, that's an out-of-universe name, perhaps. Oh, something right, right, more right. like, yeah, you know, was... Lawbreakers or Dishonorable would be better. Yeah, the only, the only place I could say an in-universe Predator POV perspective of Bad Bloods was in the Concrete Jungle video game. But yeah, it's not something you see. It's it's the name of a comic, but I don't think it's ever used in the comics, the term Bad Blood. But Bad Blood, I think, was the first one to put forward this warring clan idea, right? Or, or at least that didn't have a warring clan. It was just an individual. a renegade predator. This was the first one that, that presented the idea of a warring clan. Was Pride of the Heavens before Predator 2010? Yes. Yeah, because 2009, right? Yes. So, and then you would see this concept revisited pretty heavily inspired, in my view, in that mobile game, AVP Evolution, because you had the Berserker Predator clan, which was ripped straight from 2010, but they, they were still controlling the aliens with pheromones, just like this story. And there was a lot of promotional imagery for that video game that was the Predators, you know, having the aliens on chains, and it was very similar to this. Well, I mean, it, it was kind of curious when I, because I did know that some people remarked, oh, it was sort of carrying forth the thing in Predators with the rival Predators clan. But I mean, in, in hindsight, they're also a group of Predators. They're using aliens, but they're using hunting dogs, attack dogs. They're using aliens in the same way. And I kind of wondered, was that directly inspired by Predators? It does or seem was it, that? It? Yeah, it really does. I mean, especially because the ones in Predators, they were dog creatures with tusks, with spines. So it makes you wonder, was that inspired by that? (gasps) That's what it is. The aliens came from those dogs. Might have been. There it is. That's the secret solved. Mm, I don't know. Maybe. You'd expect them to have more spikes on that. There's been hunting dogs as old as hunting time. Yep, in Predator state. That's what I'm saying. Was it their own idea or did they take that from Predators? It would be interesting to... It's adopted from human hunters, right? I mean, it's the human hunting culture applied to this alien race. As a story principle, but in terms of We see the nets, yeah, we see trophies, we see, and we see hunting dogs. So I always just took it as just another example of human hunters and incorporated to predators. But you mentioned the, um, the aliens on the leashes. And for me, you know, look, as always with AVP books, I try to gauge if any of the two monsters are being underrepresented <laughs> or misrepresented. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) And I think aliens really got the short end of the stick here. Now, while I do perceive They always do in AVP stories. Always. As an animal, in a way, or insect intelligence with that hive mind, it doesn't appeal to me having the aliens leashed like dogs. You know, as the great release Scott has said about putting a shark in a tank, um, (laughs) the fear that Hmm. should be felt hand in glove with these creatures, it feels ineffectual here. It feels impotent. 
you know, and it's just not something that I would prefer. It's literally muzzle them. I feel like yes. the Predators, I mean, this is a concept that was in the original AVP comic too. You had the queen all chained up, totally controlled by the Predators, and then eventually they break out of that, they break free as they do here. And I can get how the imagery can be kind of demeaning towards the aliens, but I think it it's it plays to the whole thing of trying to control something that can't really be controlled. And eventually it does turn on them as it has before. It's like chained up King Kong. I'm okay with the queen being chained up and eventually breaking loose, you know, that you can't contain. But but when they're they're, they're trained like dogs, and I get it's pheromones. Yeah, yeah with the issue. queen, it was represented as a big deal. The predators took sacrificial casualties. They didn't undertake it as a light task. Here, they are literally on the end of chains, just taking them out for a while. Leashes. It's yeah. the optics aren't good. Domesticated. Yeah, they, the in terms of how the what the aliens do in here, the you know the aliens walk around, they kill stuff. There's very little impact to them. As a fan of both, sometimes I just have to snicker at the whole like, oh, you didn't treat the aliens right in this one. You didn't treat the predators right in this one. And I'm just like, they're different stories. Sometimes the predators will have the upper hand. Sometimes the aliens will have the upper hand, like depending on the circumstances and what creatures we're dealing with. I don't know. I, I feel like maybe sometimes that's a legit argument from my perspective, but I feel like a lot of times it's just fans wanting like their side to be the best. Yeah. Yeah. You know, predators my side but I'm here defending the aliens. <laughs> That's true. The EU has historically been unfair to the aliens. Let, let's be perfectly honest and clear. And, yeah. and, and yes, mm-hmm. I mean, I personally find this image hugely striking, especially with... Uh, yeah, you know, I love that. Especially yes. with it being Swanland's you know, interpretation of it and the concept. So leading up to the release of the comic, that was something people were really fucking pissed off about. And and I was there with it. It's like, fuck's sake, when are they going to treat the aliens nicely, especially in an AVP story? <laughs> and, you know, that was, that was again, one of the reasons, you know, I was so into Thicker Than Blood was the alien actually being useful. But that still started chained up too. It did, it like did. That one, so. <laughs> They've got a thing about bondage. <laughs> it suits Giga's stuff, right? Well, chain, chain, up is different from the appearance of being on a leash and these look mm-hmm. like they were on a leash. Yeah. well it's a bit about respect yeah i can get that so i don't mean to be little fans that have issues with how the aliens are treated too it's just sometimes i have to snicker at it personally but i can get that like it, it goes to the whole evpr thing of the predator just holding that is bullshit that is bullshit. even although i've always defended that but i can get how sometimes the imagery it can be I mean, if you, the thing with this is if you have a threat and it start, the story starts out with the threat essentially being something else's bitch or massively devalued <laughs> yeah. in some way visually, then you've got the story has an uphill struggle to regain that threat value. In Thicker Than Blood, the alien was restrained. It couldn't do it. So you knew if it was able to get out, it relived back to that thing that Ripley said, if one of these things even gets to it, all this bullshit is going to be nothing you've got that sense but if something just starts out something's on a leash this story has got an uphill struggle to get the audience to take them seriously and visually nightmare asylum as well like that did a similar thing on the human side right or they were trying to control the aliens or it's one of the things where i think the branding is perhaps incorrect you know this isn't alien versus predator this is Predator and Alien versus Predator and Colonial Marines. With some alien cameos. The alien's purpose here is very much to show the killers are these badasses that have somehow managed to tame the untamable. And in all fairness, you know, they do do it. 
they they know until the queen shows up. Yeah, but that's they figured out how to do it, and they know that the queen is not supposed to be there. Uh, but you know that's that's devised as crux as, as the way to to get them. You know the the aliens are here to improve the visuals of the killers and make them seem more formidable. Whether or not that works based on you know the artwork within it, yeah, that that's a different question. But I actually really liked the way they handled the control of the aliens. You know, th- this was a big thing coming up to the release of the comic. And-, and one of the things I said was, you know, unless it's some ancient space jockey technology, I'm going to be a pissed off fan. But when it came down to it, you know, this idea of the pheromone squirting commands out, I really liked. That sounds so wrong. <laughs> you know, the whole pheromone aspect of, of a- Alien, you know, this comic does a lot to acknowledge the legacy of the st- of the series, you know, we've got Michiko, Ellis, you know, we've got references to Thorpe from the last book, you know, we have Sarita show up in this, visually speaking, the Tusks reference the other stuff, but then we also have things like, you know, they go back to Ryushi as well, you know, there's a lot of this. Yeah, like, and Chigusa, they mentioned Yeah, Chigusa Corp is the one that owns the, the mining colony. Yeah. So there's a lot going off in this, and the pheromone aspect of it is another one of those legacy angles. You know, we had this conversation recently, Adam, about like pheromone camouflage. You know, that was something from uh, Labyrinth, and another comic was pointed out, which I cannot currently remember. It might have been Hive, actually. What about slash in- Infiltrator? What about Infiltrator, the alien defender? Well, that, that, that's what it was from. That discussion was from that episode, you know, where it had basis yeah. in, in history. So when it shows up in this and that's the, the way they're doing it, I'm like, that works for me. That genuinely works for me. So from a narrative point of view, I like it. From a, an artistic point of view, unless it's Eric, um, Eric, unless it's um, Raymond yeah. doing it, <laughs> it doesn't quite work as well. But from a story point of view. If they watched the ship and no one got out, right? And then a strange, you know, think Independence Day where they're all staring at the pretty blue light until it blows up the building, right? If something just lowers from the ship and they're all just looking at it, you know, and then a big door opens and it's just dark inside. And next thing you know, just aliens charge out of it. Suddenly it's a whole different feeling and it's it's accomplishing the same thing with respect. That is very fair. It's all presentation. Yeah. Yes. It's there in service of trying to build up the killers rather than, yeah. than necessarily be fed. That's what the reader has to keep in mind. This is a more about predators than the the aliens are not. They are plot relevant, but this is not really an AVP story. This is a P story with aliens that feature in it more. Yeah, I guess. One more thing about the killers. I don't know. What do you guys think of those blue target lasers? Is there any sort of idea behind that, or they're just different? I mean, it's, it's just visual difference, isn't it? Aiming lasers being blue? Yeah. 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 Targeting lasers. It's just blue lights instead of red. I'm fairly sure it is in Pray to the Heavens as well. I would love an explanation behind it, you know? I know Sideshow did, like, an original design Predator mask, and that one had a blue targeting laser, like, right in the center. It's just visual yeah. difference, isn't it? It's just ways yeah. of showing. Uh, it, it's not just ideological differences. There's more to it here, but we're going to visualize it. Yeah. Well, there were some other aspects too. And this one, to touch on Prey to the Heavens again, you see the killer clan doesn't have any of the ornamental beads on their dreadlocks, whereas the regular predator in that story does. And the dreadlocks even look a bit different, which made me kind of think, is this like 2010 where it could be another subspecies or whatever? But it, it doesn't have to be. It could just be a different clan with different ideals and, and different ways of going about things. They also had more rifle type weapons as opposed to... In Prey to the Heavens, yeah. Not so heavens, much in this. Yeah. 
Well, what what do you think about... Let, let's talk killers, then. What do folk think about the idea of taking it one step further from Bad Blood and not just being one rogue guy out there, but an entire clan with different ways of doing things? I've always liked that idea. I feel like there's so much you can do with the Predators in terms of the different clans, and the different clans have you know different traditions, different codes, and some clans would obviously war with each other because those differences are too great. You see that even in the original AVP book, Prey, they talk about how some clans don't even hunt humans at all. Like, what's what's that about? Interesting. But in this one, to see a clan that is so against the other uh, traditional predator norms, but is is too big to just be a rogue bad blood. It's it's just a separate clan, and it makes me think about that with maybe the Berserker predators as well from from 2010. That clan could maybe control that planet and wars with the other predator clans over it. So I I do really like that idea because I don't like the Yatja or the predators to be just a monolith and this is how they do things because I. I feel like it just adds way more possibilities and variety for to have different clans and have them do things different ways. It makes it so you never quite know what you're going to deal with. There's a lot of predator stories where someone who's maybe dealt with a predator before and is like, oh, this is how this is how it all works. So we have to mask our heat signature and they won't kill us if we're unarmed or whatever. And so to have that distinguishing factor, I feel makes it much more interesting and less less predictable. Yeah, I think most predator fans will have a problem with psychotic killing clans, you know, that are separate from the normal traditional hunting clans that have honor and respect, as long as it's not over all encompassing. But I mean, even for me, you know, when I look at the super predators, uh, sorry, Aaron, they're super predators. (laughs) Delayed reaction there. You know, that I I suspect that they're in the same clan from the Upgrade Predator because they both have that single blade, you know, and they both use dog. You know, so in my head canon, I believe they're from the same clan that would be considered dishonorable from the Predators we've seen in, you know, the first two films and the Lost Predators. So, yeah, I, I love the aspect as long as there is thought behind it. I keep going back to Thicker and Blood. The Thicker and Blood gave you mixed signals. You know, they're killing everyone from unarmed kids, women, and children. And then they're about honor and working with kids and respect and stuff like this. And just don't have it both ways. But I like clans with different politics and stuff like that. And I just wish we learned more about the killers and their motivations. My favorite aspect of this book or this comic series is Machiko and her being the window, you know, the looking glass gets tastes of predator behavior and culture. And uh, I've always loved that. And I still believe it's effective in AVP and the best aspect of this particular story. But I just wish we'd get a little more insight on the killers other than they just like to kill. Is that their motivation? You know, it's just a little bit, a little, you know, a little wonder about their culture or something like that would have gone a long way. But I'm, I'm totally good with this, you know, rogue clan, evil clan. They did leave it open at the end for their return as well, but nobody's yeah. nobody's yeah. come back to this. I would well. like to see that clan come back in a future story. It would be kind of cool. They were so insistent on getting their shit, right? Versus just annihilating them. We need their shit. Yeah, so that was that was the Marines thing, because they they wanted to know how to control the aliens. Yeah. yeah. Which is is a pretty consistent view from mankind's perspective in in the expanded universe. Well, and I think that right. gives them an advantage. I mean, to me, the killer predators it goes to the root of a lot of the things about this comic, where this comic has a not a lot of interesting concepts, but it's a shame about the execution. I'd, I've noted this as a theory: these are worse predators in some way because they don't care about rules. Blah blah blah. But it goes against the old writing adage of show show, don't tell 
we were repeatedly being told in exposition, which in what Machiko translates, etc. She's telling us, oh, these are worse because of blah, blah, blah. But what we're actually shown, they're just acting like normal predators. And when we're given the reasoning for it, because they're obsessed with the thrill of the kill, the sadism, as opposed to wanting to face a good challenge, what actually happens? Well, the difference about how they operate is not what they're doing. They're using aliens to do most of the killing, which feels a contradiction for me. If they were really into killing and murder at the instead of just wanting a, a good challenge, a good fight, why are they having the aliens doing most of that? Why not do most of it themselves? So for me, it felt like a contradiction. Maybe they were planning to use that as a concept, but then somebody said, how about they're also using aliens? But the execution of that, it just feels like they're normal predators. They're just using aliens as hunting dogs as opposed to something else's hunting dogs. We're never shown, as opposed to the same writer when he did the first AVP. You remember that? Broken Tusk, he lost control of them, and they were killing a civilian family. They were trying to kill this, they killed the unarmed wife. They were trying to kill the little boy who wasn't armed. At that point, you understood when Broken Tusk woke up, he's been nursed back to health by humans and he's seeing these group that was under his leadership they are about to kill this doctor that's unarmed doing nothing but helping him back to health and he realised these guys are lost they've lost the way here there's nothing like that we're not shown something which we as readers who have been familiar with how Predators have acted in previous film previous comics what's different what are they doing which is different to another Predator and it's nothing we're not shown like a flashback might have helped maybe from a predator seeing from their perspective why these are doing something different we're not shown anything like that we're seeing that they kill someone who was using a, a pulse rifle to defend himself against advancing aliens and he gets killed why is that something a normal predator wouldn't do it's not interesting story concept but i would have liked to have seen it explored more and it wasn't it needed more bad blood style moments of those really yeah. graphic, savage yeah. kind of things. But on top of that, you know, the comic also makes a point of conquest. It's not so much necessarily always about the kill. They are conquest. They're conquistadors who are going to occupy this planet. You know, that that's what the Marines were there for. It's like, yeah, get fucked. This is mankind's planet. So I think in a lot of ways... That makes it no different, weirdly, from the Predator when they're going to conquer Earth. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't. We never count the Predator. But that, I'm just that... saying, in, in hindsight, it's kind of weirdly incompatible with normal Predators. So that was supposed to be another thing that set these guys, mm. made these guys different to the, the normal Predators, was, was that yeah. desire to, to conquest. And I think in more ways, the aliens were more of a tool of that, you know, yeah. than, than necessarily getting the, the pleasurable killing, you know, slowly slide in that blading kind of thing yeah whereas you have machiko saying yeah i'm gonna talk to these guys and she literally kills one unprovoked and she's considered oh yeah we can talk to you whereas these predators you started on it kind of yeah but it, it's weird that she says oh no these guys really hate this other clan there's something really graphic here they, there's something like they they're doing something forbidden and taboo and we're never presented really with what that is there's nothing which justifies you need something if you set that up you need to justify why that exists and we're not given that it could have certainly been made a bit more obvious in terms of yeah. showing you then i would have liked that but chico did say it was an old hunter story legend you know 
Mm, and yeah. she wasn't even sure it was true until she heard about this renegade killers now. So yeah, it could have definitely been told in not flashbacks, but you know, imagery of this legend of these these killers that are now deemed real, that they do exist, and they could have shown them slaughtering, you know, you ouch out babies or or something to make these I mean they had a brief evil of the warrior clans and stuff. Past events, but not about the killers. There was the page on Thorpe, wasn't there? Is that what you're talking about, Adam? No, where she was telling them about the killer clan and that she had heard stories. I don't think this was a video. I think this was her talking about the legend. Yeah, and she was going back and she was telling all the colonial marines. But it looked like it was repeating the steps from AVP, the first limited series. Yeah, it's a flashback of her stuff. It's her her own adventure. While we're talking about that that sequence can i also just say how bad writing this is i'm going to assume you all know about my background and then <laughs> proceeds to sum up yeah <laughs> I, like, I like randy stradley but that kind of dialogue fucks me off yeah. where they start a briefing with as i'm sure you all know yes. and then proceeds yes. to recap for the audience <laughs> Yeah, there were certain moments like we had to learn how badass Machiko was. So she had to get this like cactus, what do you call it? Spike or yeah, something like that. Uh, little, it puts it I love it, that. Yeah. I love that. Oh, not only I was know, like, what fun to poke the guy with it, but then to, to replace the grenade pin and put it inside. <laughs> I thought it was a bit much. To be fair, the the egregious part of that is that we already know that marine grenades. That's what are, I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, and also even if you use today today's grenades, don't work like that specifically because they don't want people doing that to soldiers. But it worked as a. As I said, this was one of those moments that it, it kind of felt like a Marvel comic. It felt like something you'd see in Spider Man. But it it worked as a comic. But I couldn't like if that was put in a film, it totally you'd be calling bullshit on it. But as as a comic. Yeah, it was okay. I don't think it works in a comic. I think it just, it's a big eye roll, you know, and I know the idea mm. is to, to show that Machiko has enlightened skills and senses. And, you know, the one way they did it right is when she picked out the Sith, you know, the synthetic, you know, she says, I can smell everyone else thinks of fear but not him. And that's how I knew he was a synthetic. That I liked. But putting a damn cactus needle in a grenade, you know, pinhole and hoping it's going to lock, stay there. Imagine. Yeah. (laughs) It was an alien cactus. It was was stronger. Uh, She's like, she she just screwed up a little and she's trying to make a point and he's saying, but it's come out. And she'd be going, oh, wait, what? And she has to die for cover and she's killed uh, everyone. (laughs) I know. I know. If I was the editor, I'd be like, why don't you put this out you know to have him kick him in the balls you know he's show she's tough in some other way the word badass is used a lot in this yeah i thought the synth character david uh different different david david serena <laughs> isn't that his name is david too right david serena yeah i think no yes yeah. oh is it david all right so i was gonna say serena I, I didn't realize okay they don't say his first name in this comic, but he's the main character of More Than Human. And so I felt like he was a bit sidelined in this one, honestly. And uh, I know it's a difference of art style, but he was yeah, really I, know, I know this. it's a different of art style, but he looked really different. Like his character. Well, he got a lot blacker. Yeah, his ethnicity was different. Yeah, like... it's, it's kind of tan <laughs> in this. But yeah. then towards the end of um, Three World War, it was it was very dark skinned. And maybe you guys can explain to me because you know Alien better than it I is do. David, but by the way, in regarding to synthetics, he looked like a Terminator, 
right? When the skin was peeled off and he, he was well, he has red he has red blood too. That's one of the big yeah. things in more than human comic. Well that reminded me of that guy in um Genocide who's the big hulking Arnold character in that. But he looks because he looks very different. There's there's way. a lot of artistic liberty taking on the endoskeletons of the, the various synths. Yeah. I, I, I Ash pisses mm-hmm. me off. I wish they'd get rid of this in the various re-edits, you know, where they blast his Yeah. It's gonna I wish they'd get rid of the, the shots where it blasts away to the, the, the polystyrene. The, the, yeah, the skull <laughs> yeah. where there's <laughs> no way there's no way there's any fucking movement of anything. No, anything it's like not that. flexible. I'm like, oh, I wish you'd Lucas that one away. But it is what it is. I wouldn't get too wrapped up in the in the visuals of of that one, at AJ. There's a, there's right. a lot of, there's the a lot of different visuals. Yeah, well, for the reason you said, I th- I think this comic actually did it right. It looks like something which is articulated that could move like an actual sort of robot kind of thing. That was nice to see as a visual. It looked like that DC Justice League hero. I don't know what was his name. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Cyborg, 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 yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that flashback scene of Machiko again, I I do always like seeing scenes we have seen before in other comics, but in a different artistic interpretation. We also saw that in the Predator Hunters comic, where they go through all yes. the different characters' backstories, and we see these scenes from the different comics with a new art style. And it was it was very brief in this one. It showed a bit of war. It showed a bit of the original EVP comic, but it was cool to see. Oh, talking about the synthetic character, I must point out there's a point where he sort of like is taken to the Predator Citadel or whatever you want to call it, and and during that, it is during his sort of escapade there where the Predators think he is deactivated, but he's not. He is noticing, I think, some face-hugged Predators. And yet we never see any Predalians, which oh, felt yes. like a big wasted opportunity. If you're going to show that on yeah, a Predator, you'd think to yourself, oh, okay, big action. They're saving the alien, the AVP portion for when the Predalians come out, but you never That's see right. it. I forgot about that. The comics don't seem to like doing other visual representations of the aliens. I mean, I know we get it a little but bit. But why include tusks, but... it? Why just, just have humans... If you're going to show a predator being face-hugged, it's that gun above a mantelpiece thing. You, you need to show at least the chest bursting, if not the finished product. It was in, like, the Killer Clan's base, right? They had taken some of the traditional Predators yeah. and, and had them face-hugged. Yeah. 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 It, it would be nice to see more of them just full stop, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see more Predalians in the yeah, comics. Really we had all the jungle wildlife. There was, it was a lot of unfortunate wasted. Although you don't know what had to get deleted out of the script, because it might have been they, they originally did things and then they realised, oh, we yeah. won't have enough frames. But it's it felt like that could have been the climax and we never saw it. It's a shame. Especially with yeah. Machiko being there. What would have Machiko, her perspective, oh, that would yeah, if she even saw it, What even if it was just a glimpse from afar when they have that battle of them all going against the killer clan, if she just saw it, what would that have meant to Machiko? Chico. That is an interesting cultural perspective that could have been. I think it's a shame we haven't had a novelization of this one in terms of getting more from her. I agree. Yeah. Especially especially with us having, you know, Prey and War. Both of, oh no, because the Ouchie stuff fucks me off. But the extra details <laughs> yes. that we um, that, that we get from, from the books, I, I always enjoy. You know, and, and I, I think the Perrys did a good job on those two in terms of expanding yeah. it out. And I would love more of her introspective stuff and her reactions that I think we would get in a novel. Come on, Titan. Give me a novelization. Yeah. Don't forget Hunter's Planet. Oh, no, we don't. We don't. We don't count that one. <laughs> to their credit, we have more AVP coming. Two books. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since we've had an AVP book, so. 
the Tusk Alien has kind of come back recently because Prime One is doing this really cool and really expensive collectible of it. And it's a new interpretation of it. And it looks pretty awesome, in my opinion. But it was cool to see that make a comeback. If any of you really like that Tusk Alien and are feeling a very pricey collectible, then there is something. I, I actually quite like it. I'm always bummed out by the fact that we did never get our answer to that that particular story element. But... Yeah, on a visual level, I've always liked it. It's because it looks cool. That's very, yeah, it's a very busy design. Yeah, interesting. It's probably better here than what we saw in the comic. I quite like Swanland's take on it again. You should check the actual um, pictures out. The cover art for More Than Human. So I only really have one other thing I want to bring up, and that's just, it's... Again, somebody who really enjoys this this story, but it's the one thing that I've got left to bring up and it's it's a bit of a negative and it's kind of annoying, is the different reaction to that these Ryushi predators have to um somebody interfering with capturing a queen compared to um in war. Oh right. Yeah. Because in in war they got very pissed off with Machiko stepping out of line to salvage the mission, but in this one it was the basis of the um Yeah. Them coming together. So whether again that's down to differences in, in class. Yes, uh, that's what I assumed. Well she mentions that the the war predators must have been all killed, killed off, off because yeah. these predators yeah. didn't seem to know about that. But there are a couple of weird predator culture moments, like even the thing like, Oh, I killed one, now we can talk. I'm like, really? Like that yeah. plays into the space camera thing a bit too much and I thought it was it was a bit much. Predators having a casual meet up over like the water cooler and one of them has to get murdered just to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, when are we going to go to um, tennis, Dave? Oh, let me just slaughter your brother. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> now we can timetable that. Oh, cool. yeah, you're worthy. Let's talk. <laughs> I did really like them going back to Ryushi, though. You know, that whole that thing was cool there. Because, that, yeah. It, yeah. again, it also continues to show that Ryushi was a source before the humans showed up, and it continues to be a place that they go to after the humans are fucked off as well. And and I quite liked that. You know what that kind of... I felt that kind of needed a Jurassic Park-type moment where they kind of... There's a moment where at least they see off in the distance or something the the wreckage of the old uh, colony or something was. like yeah it would have been yeah. nice yeah because it wasn't yeah. that wasn't like Hadley's hope it wasn't vapor that was something that something Maybe slammed it was into all salvaged. But in in Duel, they go back to the wreckage of the colony because that's where they... Ah, yes, yeah. That's where they set up base when the Predalien attacks them. So I do, yeah. I do like the continuity in in those regards in in this. I will say I did like Machiko's armor in this better than in War. And in War, it kind of changed styles halfway through, didn't it? Like, her (laughs) armor. Because didn't they have a different artist come in on War or something? Issue Zero was done by somebody different. To one right, to yeah, okay, so her Control. armor changed from that because that was the big like opening for that whole series. Her armor changed from that to the main war comic, and it was different again in this, and I really liked the interpretation of her mask and her armor in this one. It didn't look overly <laughs> oversized on her head, which was... Well, I, again, and actually speaking about art and design, one of the things I always loved about this, it's less meaningful now in the second golden age, but at the time, you didn't tend to see marines that hewed very closely to the art, uh, the design from aliens, and this one hewed very closely, you know, yeah. in terms of technology. No. The, the, the modified dropship as well, you know, it stuck a lot closer to what Cameron and Sid Mead did for, for the film. And that's always been a big thing for me in the comics is a visual continuity with the films. Again, I like expanding. I like where things develop and take it further. You know, that's a, that's a reason a lot of people love the tech manual for the other weaponry and stuff like that. 
But the comics never did that very well. But this one, at the time, you know, it was refreshing to actually go back to something that looked like somebody had been and watched the fucking film and, and was sort of basing it on that. And it was slightly different, of course, but the design language was right. And that was something that at the time I really appreciated about this comic. Not, not so meaningful now because... A lot of them are doing it better now, but, you know, we're talking 10 years ago, nearly. Over. Uh, you know, I found it humorous that apparently if Machiko tells you to do something, the right thing to do is the opposite because Alice <laughs> right? disobeying yeah. her and it turned out to be the right decision. So I learned yeah. from this book, don't listen to Machiko. Whatever she said, <laughs> do the other. Yeah, so you need some um, sort of proverbs from Alien and Predator films and comics. <laughs> Rule number three, never follow Machika. What about this being her grand bow out then? Was this a satisfying end to Machiko for you guys? I feel it was because I, and this is the problem I had with Amanda Ripley, right? Alien Isolation proved us wrong. She was an awesome character and we totally got on board. But for me, there got to be a point with those comics. It's like, can we let her live out the rest of her life in peace now? Is that not because they were bad comics though? Maybe it was. Yeah. Maybe if the comics would have been better, maybe I would have been more on board with that. But hey, Alien Isolation changed our minds because it was good. But I don't know. when you, it, It's like, would we have liked to have seen Machiko and more AVP comics? Maybe. And maybe there's a period of time in between the comics where you could tell more of her time with the Predators or whatnot. There's still that year. Uh, I did find it interesting that she was working on a hunting preserve because we've seen this setting mm. a number of times, like in Hunter's Planet 2, we saw a Hunter's Preserve for wealthy, you know, galactic travelers. And so that's that's a cool concept and makes you wonder, like, is she just going to go back there, continue to run this hunting preserve? Could something else come up that brings her back into this, that forces her back? I don't know. I mean, if, if it felt justified because it's been long enough time, I could see another story with her um, and maybe bring into the fact that she's no longer with the Predators, but that comes into play. Or you could just have it be her happy ending. You know, it could go either way. For me. Yeah, I think the, the thing with Machiko is now this is where she as a character differs from someone like Ellen Ripley, who in Alien 3, there's that famous quote where she, it's a really nice quote, where she says, you've been in my life so long, I can't remember anything else. With Machiko, she's different because she's not corralled into facing, though. She has a thing where she's chasing the dragon. She has that need to get back into the fight herself. And it's always conveyed very well for her. But by the same token, she is a human character. She's going to get on in years. She's going to reach a certain age where she's going to have a Danny Glover moment and she's going to be like, I'm too old for this shit. Because going to drink that predator the, juice. Yeah. She, she, the kind of things like you normal. have to do when you're fighting with predators are difficult even for someone in their prime. So I could see a point where Machiko doesn't want to necessarily hitch up with them again, but she's still got that itch. She's still got that thing she needs to scratch, but I, she's going to reach a point where she is no longer going to be physically viable for joining up with them again. So I think, you know, quit while you're ahead. That's what I got from this story. It had that bittersweet moment where her mark was cleansed and it's like fate is telling her move on so for yeah. me the story it was in not so great but i liked how they dealt with machiko's legacy i like how the the mark is removed right but i i just don't like the framework of it i don't like mm. she says leaving is the ultimate betrayal okay the denial of glory and this is her punishment this is the hunter's disdain you know once again she had to kill a predator just to talk to them okay yeah. but <laughs> now the predator's going to stop 
I'd rather have Machiko jump on the ship and then the Predator turns back and realizes she's deserting and she removes the mark herself. But I just mm. don't see this fitting yeah. with the behavior of the Predators earlier on in the book that he would sit there and waste his time and burn off the mark if this is the ultimate betrayal. Or maybe yeah. she burns off the mark herself, quiet, in the bathroom, looking in the mirror before she joins Ellis, that she finally closes the chapter on this this part of her life. I think it would be more fitting and more realistic. So I, I love the idea of burning off the mark. I just don't love how it was presented in this book. You know, I don't know if it was an ultimate betrayal as much as it was like the predator saying, if you're going to go live with humanity and not die with us here honorably, then you're choosing that life and you're not going to have the privileges associated with this. Plan. I just read from the book and they call it the ultimate betrayal. Is that what betrayal. they call it? Oh. Yeah. No, I said leaving would be the ultimate betrayal, the denial of glory. You know, this hmm. is my punishment. This is the hunter's disdain. I choose humanity. The dialogue is nice. It might be me reading a little into bit into it a little bit with the glory stuff there, but it also kind of feels like it was her going. I'm going for glory that brought them down with her, and then she oh, then right. she's like, yeah. you know what? I'm just gonna get on my ship and go off with my mates. <laughs> you guys stay and die. Yeah, that's the only thing I think it it lacked. I think because it the in the first in where she was in her life in the first AVP story, she identified with these tales of samurai from her past, and I think this was essentially the third act of her life and relationship with the predators. It would have been nice if she had had that observation where she considers from the predator's perspective that's the ultimate betrayal or whatever. But then she kind of like mentally shrugged her shoulders and realizes that is a dead end. That means as a race, maybe you're going to die out. I need to have a more evolved perspective because that means you're just going to end up dying or killing yourself. You need to be more pragmatic than that. You cannot see your life in terms of pure chasing the dragon, always wanting the big, the biggest, baddest kill because what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Which I think would have capitalized on her, you know, her need of connecting back to humanity through a romantic partner. That was kind of missing from that logic gap there. She's rediscovering what it means to be human, which kind of pays off back to the original story where she wasn't seen as human. She was just seen as this corporate suit. And then she reconnected with the inner beast, but she's yeah. now reconnecting with what it means to be human. Well, I feel that was kind of the premise of war, right? Like she's had an interesting arc through all these three yeah. stories. I feel like yeah. the original one, she becomes disillusioned with humanity, gravitates towards the predators. In war, she becomes disillusioned with the predators, goes back to humanity. And this one, she's entrenched in both cultures and ultimately has to choose which one is the one she's going to be with. And again, I think it's more than just humanity. It's the personal connection to Ellis. You know, it, it's not her choosing yeah. humanity. It's her choosing her partner. Right. It's choosing life in a variety of levels. Okay, anybody else got anything, any other points about Three World War they wanted to bring up? I wonder how hard this one is to find in paperback now. Hopefully we start seeing those AVP omnibus comics soon. I hope and this yeah. gets uh, another re-release. So I feel like if you're, you know, regardless of some controversial aspects about it, if you're curious as to how Machiko's story ends up, it's at least worth a read. Yeah, I think it was better than the um, predecessor. What was the one that followed the original AVP? War. That was War. But yeah, it, it's better than War. I would definitely say that. It's not nearly as good as the original, but it's more worthy success. Than war was. Yeah, but you were giving this a five. What would you have given war? <laughs> I was on that one, wasn't I? You were, but I can't remember. Are you thinking of no, Hunter's I, Planet? I, 
No, War. It was the comet one. But I, I didn't regard that very highly. I like the one where they were on the alien planet getting the queen, but then that's more yeah, of a sort of there, epilogue right? yeah. to the... Yeah. yeah. The rest of it did not impress me. I, I really like all the comics, to be fair. You know, it, the, the original is obviously the best. I hold the... I really enjoy Three World War. I, I do enjoy War as well. You know, listeners, watchers, it's one I don't see talked about very often. So I would be curious as to how you all feel about this. And I've always considered myself a little bit of an outlier in how much I do like this story. So let let us know how you're feeling. Do you like it? Do you hate it? Are you ambivalent? Yeah, let us know. Let, let us know where we're actually standing. Let's get some talk going about this one. Now, at the end of these uh, comic podcasts, we tend to look up Comic Book Roundup, which is the Rotten Tomatoes equivalent for comic books. And um, it looks like there are only six critic reviews for the entire series. And the average critic rating is 5.6. Oh, we, we got it right, AJ. <laughs> yes. We win. It's not a competition. <laughs> you have to look at it as a comic reviewer versus ADP fan reviewer. You know, there's always going to be that little aspect there that tints our opinion, I think, mm-hmm. one way or the other. Right. Well, thank you, everybody, for sticking with us this year. I hope you've enjoyed what we've put out and stick with us next year for um, everything else. A bunch of good stuff. We will probably finally do the uh, William Gibson's Alien 3 as our first one of next year, assuming that's okay with everybody who wants to get involved. I'm assuming that's just going to be me, Adam and AJ, though. And I do have some ideas for some people I want to go talk to, including some of the comic book writers. So we'll see whether that pans out. But we do have plans. You know, I've got a big article written up that I now need to turn into a video. We've got another idea for one that i need to get these guys just contributions on now that i've written my template for it because i know you asked me to aj and i've only just done it and i'll send it to you so you can see where i'm at and i've already commissioned some artwork for that one for my uh, for my contribution but yeah we've got stuff coming up we've got stuff planned it should be a good year with the tv show being led up to and of course prey eventually coming out and hopefully it's gonna get some promotion and not be a drop and done kind of thing but we'll see but stick with us you know uh, if you are listening to this and not watching please do go and check out our youtube channel because we also do a sort of mini podcast in video form on there called motion trackers where we talk about the recent news the more bigger recent news um i try to want to do more of the smaller news pieces but we do tend to do um, the more significant ones at the minute but we'll see how 2020 whether that kicks me in the face as to motivation and stuff like that we'll see you mean 2022 2022 yeah but thank you everybody who has stuck with us if you're not already please do go and check us out on the social channels twitter instagram and facebook alien versus predator galaxy versus as in vs dot or avp galaxy and the hub of our activity can also be found on avpgalaxy.net which is where all the news and the written articles and stuff goes up there including a message board where you can sign up and talk to fellow alien and predator fans in an organized fashion uh, with categories and threads and everything if you like chaos then we also have a facebook group alien versus predator galaxy uh, facebook community that you can search us out on or the facebook page is actually linked to it i believe if you want to follow me personally and learn more about me i am at underscore corporal hicks on twitter that's the only place i'm at and you'll see all my other nerdy inclinations on there i am at ridgetop 21 on both twitter and instagram you can find me on twitter at fn voodoo magic 
And Eric doesn't care. Do you still don't care? No. I've got nothing to give yet. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you to you gentlemen for joining us for these nerdy sessions as well to put out there for everybody. Appreciate it. Love you. Love you all, boys. This has been Corporal Hicks. Rich Shop. Voodoo Magic. Xenomorphine. Oh, shit. I forgot the AVP sign-off. Do we have an AVP sign-off? I can't remember. Happy Christmas Eve. You're looking at me or the clock? Right? <laughs> <laughs> That'll work for now. You gotta think of one though. All right. Thank you, everybody.